Hey guys, this is Ronnie. Just a reminder, these are old episodes, and if you want to check out what we are currently doing, all you have to do is go to the Rebooted channel on YouTube, and you can see our sweet faces talking about this stuff. And announcing a new podcast with Ed Greer, Ron Swallow, and producer Bill called The Greatest Pod. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. In addition, if you want to support us monetarily, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash thegreatestpod, and you can sign up for the $5 tier that gets you extra podcasts, or sign up for the $7 tier that gets you the extra podcasts and art sent directly to your house. We've got a new Tee Public store for you to get all of the cool shirts that you could possibly want. The Mumbo Gumbo, the Pop Art Reboot Crew, the Classic Logo, and then, of course, the Rebooted Drinking Game, which has Jensen Ackles and DJ Qualls, among other fan-favorite comments. So, do yourself a favor. Go to tpublic.com slash user slash reboot dash it and pick up your favorite t-shirt. So, thanks for listening and thanks for supporting Reboot It. Reboot It! Hey everyone, I'm Ron Swallow, and welcome to Reboot Rewind, the official after show for Reboot It. Today we have the whole crew here talking about our very first reboot. We're going like a, my grandma looking at the screen. Is this the right? There we go. There we go. <laughs> we have um, to go back. Uh, we have to go back and talk about your kids. That's right. <laughs> Uh, today, uh, we have the whole crew here uh, to talk about our, our very first reboot, the one recorded as a dry run, and it went so well we had to put it out, Wolverine. We've got producer Bill. Hello. We got Billy Business. It's confusing when you point straight up because I feel like a lot of times I never know if the comments are for me or for Bill because they just say Bill, but they'll clearly be talking about the fat guy who hates He-Man. So you guys got to <laughs> you got to differentiate. All right. Can you, Absolutely. That and, over and then, there is sexy Bill. That's sexy Bill. And this is fat Bill. Just let me know in the comments if you're mad at me. Oh, all right. Billy, all right. Bill, I, prefer, short. I prefer chubby. Okay. Portly. Portly. Oh, Portly's worse, I think. We got uh, Ed over know, here. That's very Mighty Ducks. He's like, Portly adolescence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, We're that works. Sexy. Uh, it's, we it got really Billy Business. what you're going for. Yeah, we got Billy Business, the Portly adolescent. We've got <laughs> producer Bill, the very uh, sexy Bill, sexy who produces genius. things. And we've got uh, Ed Greer. He's uh, recalcitrant. Hey. <laughs> oh, definitely. Uh, I, I'm glad you learned that word. I've heard it like six times in the last four months. So I can almost go back to the date that you learned it on the calendar. You, you, you want to know the funny thing is I, I just for like I just had a I had it like two days ago. I had a flashback about um, some high school vocabulary words and recalcitrant was one of them. And the teacher literally was like, for instance, Ron, you can be recalcitrant. And I was like, awesome. Bullied by teachers. <laughs> yeah, my life was great. So let's get to the history of this, though. Wolverine was it was pretty cool to how this came about because this was kind of not a plan. This was a dry run, right? Yeah, this was this was back when 
you know, we had spitballed for like three hours what to do, what project to do. And then Ron just casually drops like, what if we just reboot movies? Like, well, there it is. Uh, so we wanted to do a test run. This was before we did Batman at New York Comic Con. And we chose something that I think all of us were like, yeah, Wolverine. Like, I have no strong feelings. That seems like a good one to like get. A, there's, you know, a lot to go off of history wise comic books. So that should get us like a good sense of, of what we're doing. And uh, yeah, this is this is the one that started it all. If you make a, re- a Mount Rushmore of rebooted episodes, I feel like this kind of has to be on there. Yeah, I mean, just to rewind even further, you know, this came about at the end of 2019, which is why, like, I mean, we're going on a year and a half ago at this point. Um, and this was sort of when Nerd Goat was at its heyday, the podcast that Ron, Ed, and I used to do. Um, Billy, I think you had just finished maybe your second season of Hot Takes with Billy Business. Maybe the first at this point. I, I don't even remember anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so like we were we were both going strong in our respective podcasts. And obviously Ed and Billy had done a lot of work together at Screen Junkies. And we just kind of all got together and we're like, what can we do that would bring our fan bases together? Because there's obviously a lot of overlap. And that was that long brainstorm session that Billy alluded to that Ron finally ended with just going, why don't we just come up with reboots of movies? And uh, and Reboot It was born. Yeah, that was. it's funny, though, where everything comes from me for me is darkness, you know, because I was thinking about uh, rebooting movies from actors who were dead. Oh, that's, like, right. How, that's right. Yeah, how, I remember. How, how super hard that would be, you know, like rebooting the crow or enter the dragon or, you know, various other. That's right. You, were, you yeah. just wanted to reboot movies where the main actor was no longer alive. And so yeah. that would be our challenge. And, and, and Billy, also, Billy, also. Billy was kind of like, well, that's really dark, but maybe the reboot part's good. But I don't know why everybody missed that. The most weird part about that was his obsession with rebooting the kin of Bruce Lee. Brandon Lee, Bruce mm. Lee. If Bruce yeah. Lee had a daughter and she started some Cynthia Rothrock movie, you'd want to do that one over. It was like the Lee family. It's like you're that curse chasing him or something. It was weird. So <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's the thing that was weird to me. Is like, But again, it showed the strength of the idea. We listened to Ron and we picked out the good part. We listened to Bill, we pick out the good part. We listened to Billy, pick out the good part. That's what made it such a cool Voltron to come together. It's like out of that one original toss out ideas, Billy likes to do sometimes in the episodes, toss something out, get the ball rolling. Let's see where it goes. Man, yeah, that rolled was... that ball for three solid hours in a <laughs> I was room just that say. did not have like adequate ventilation. So I just remember being so hot at the end, <laughs> like we were balls dripping sweat because it's like September and September in in California might as well be July in New York. And I was just like, guys, I like we we got to call time of death on this thing soon because we like all, I'm starting to see spots. We were all in my basement where we used to record Nerd Goat, and it was like, yeah, I remember that. We were just it was getting really late. We thought we were going to get together for like an hour, throw some ideas around, come up with something that we all liked, and we just, I mean, there was some wild shit being talked about in that meeting, but we just could not come up with an idea for like a joint project that we felt really hit the mark until Ron's dark serendipitous moment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So this was our first reboot. Technically. Uh, Have we gotten better? 
or worse. So I, yes. I said this. I said this on another <laughs> episode. Uh, I'm going to use another Paul Stanley kiss uh, uh, paraphrase because I feel like he says it best. It, uh, very later on, uh, maybe in like 2005, 2006, they asked him about the very first album of Kiss, which came out in 1974, about like how he feels about it now. And he's like, I listened to that first album and I almost lament that I just can't write a song like that anymore. He's like, I, sometimes I force myself to try to like get back to that, like just raw simplicity. He's like, but I know too much now. I can't write a Kiss song like that anymore. He's like, that's both good and bad. And I kind of feel like reboot it's the same way. I kind of like when you go back and 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 listen to to our Wolverine pitch, which you'll run down in just a second here. Like it just came from a place of just raw creativity and just oozing like ideas. And it wasn't so much about format. It wasn't about like the weight of what a rebooted episode has to be wasn't there. It was literally just like shooting the shit and like, you know, your friends sitting around, you know, talking about what would be a cool movie. And even though the show has gotten more polished, and I think a lot of our ideas have gotten more complex. I don't know if we could do something as stripped down and as raw as Wolverine today. Like, I just don't know if we're capable of it, which is shows how much we've grown. But also sometimes I lament like just that raw kind of energy we had. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's pretty right on. I mean, I, I will say that like, look, I think, there's always a romanticized notion of like the first time you sit down to try something and it just really works. And, you know, I, I think back, Billy, you, you made a comment in one of our other episodes, you know, kiss uh, another kiss reference talking about how they would mount a new tour. And when they mounted their comeback tour, they had to try to recapture the feeling of what the old thing was, even though the old thing was never as great as it is in your head. I, I feel like that kind of applies here. Like, I like this episode. I like what we did in this episode. But, you know, that idea of trying to recapture the feeling, I mean, I, I think ignorance always comes with a certain high. Like, we don't know what we're getting ourselves into. There's no pressure. There's nothing that we're actually trying to achieve. We just want to see if it works. I agree we're not going to get back there. I don't know that that means it's better, but I will agree we're not going to get back there. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think also uh, listening to I just, you know, I listened to it to make the script and re just rewatched it. And, and it was interesting to hear the way we flowed with everything, but also that I feel like we weren't as in depth with some of the stuff we could have done as we would be now, mm -hmm. I think. Well, Honestly. I think that's a I think that's a perfect segue for you to read the pitch. Yeah. OK. <laughs> so uh, the pitch. Uh, we start with Maria Hill investigating a series of grisly murders and destruction at various military and scientific installations. Claw marks and missing limbs are strewn at each site. It looks like they are hunting some kind of serial killing monster. As she gets closer to who they're looking for, Wolverine, Maria Hill sees that something is off about the situation. There's proof that the man she's looking for has been alive for at least since World War II, when he had helped out Captain America. In the, 80, in the 80s, when an abandoned assassination on Injobu happened and from many other grizzled people who had run-ins with him. One that said, I heard about one time where the Hulk almost died and even one where it was rumored that he fought an entire pack of wolves and then joined them for a hunt to save their lives one night, which covered the Peters moment, by the way. 
uh, all memories to show that Wolverine has been in the MCU the whole time. Hill captures Wolverine eventually, and it seems like they're interrogating him, but really he's interrogating them to find out who has been after him. That turns out to be Trask, possibly working for S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, who already doesn't like superhumans and has been monitoring the emergence of mutants and sees a future where they overtake the humans in population. Uh, we also find out that Wolverine has been hunting down the people who put adamantium in him so that they can never, ever do it again to anyone else. Uh, we find out Trask has been trying to kill all mutants, and when Wolverine is put on his radar, he sends in the Abomination. A huge fight happens. Wolverine barely wins, but Trask gets away. That's the end, kind of. We then set up a second Wolverine that introduces mutants to the MCU, while Trask using all means at his disposal to try to end them. The mutants fighting for survival and possibly breaking Wolverine out of jail, he is possibly in, and then the rest of the non-mutants having to get involved. Whew. So, uh, the cast is Maria Hill, uh, played by Colby Smulders, Trask Helen Mirren, Logan Marshall Green as, um, Logan, Tim Roth as The Abomination, uh, directed by Lee Wannell. Uh, Lee Wannell, we haven't decided. I haven't decided. Before we talk about it some more, though, I do want to... Uh, oh, wait. We, when, when, oh, by the way, by, when I say Lee Wannell, we eventually came to Lee Wannell. We had put out a bunch of different directors. And then when we decided on Logan Marshall Green as Logan, he had worked on uh, Upgrade with Lee Wannell, and it just seemed to make sense. So that's who we ended up going with. Um, before we talk about that, though, I do want to show off some fan art from Sam Andrews. Uh, Sam Andrews, excuse me. He added in a few more actors and such, which I'm personally cool with and thinks just kind of added a little more to it. I'm always so flattered that uh, that yeah. people take what we say uh, or what we've created and then to kind of, you know, even in a rough form, kind of see what that could look like. Like, that's awesome. I would go see that movie. Because I pitched it, but I would still go see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real film, yeah, I, Jack. I loved it. I love when anybody puts together things. Plus, I like adding uh, a couple extra agents, Thunderbolt Ross and uh, uh, the guy from Ant-Man whose name is slipping right now. But that's oh, it's, the, it, the one from WandaVision now, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. I know his real name. I can, uh, Woo, uh, Woo, Woo is the Woo, Jimmy name. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jimmy Woo. Uh, I like that as an added in cast member who will probably make uh, our really dark Wolverine a little more funny, perhaps. Uh, I don't know. I, you I, know what? That's funny because I feel like everyone's like, oh, he's going to make WandaVision so funny. Like, he's not but really he hasn't. funny in WandaVision. He's just like a good agent. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and there, there's humor that comes from character of him being earnest. But anyway, this whole thing of fan art, I think Bill said it before. It's what makes... It makes us a real boy, you know what I mean? As far as the yeah. show, when there's fan art, I I really appreciate that, man. Sam, you rock! Yeah. Thank you so much. Let me point. Let me pose the question: um, How open are any of you who send in fan art to me, just viciously critiquing it like I would if this was a real job? Just how open? Just, I'm not going to do it, but if you <laughs> give me permission, I'm going to do it. So, I love that Bill's just invite. Like, hey, I want to pick a fight. So if yeah. you're down to join Fight Club, I'm going to be very polite. Just bring your sleeping bag to my porch and uh -huh. just wait outside. And it's also, gonna be I'm going to I'm going to need you to talk about Fight Club in order to. 
to just bill bill and a bunch of waiters and and <laughs> banquet servers in a parking lot somewhere getting it on you guys just completely decoded me on all levels so now i feel very <laughs> exposed i don't like this <laughs> okay so after a whole year and a half approximately uh do you think it's still good or could we have done better well, I mean, I reserved my comments for the in, in the earlier part because I wanted you to read the pitch first. And uh, I think everybody's right. Yes, we we you know we had a young insouciance because we didn't know what we were doing. But also, I kind of disagree that we didn't do the format. I think Bill was almost religiously slavish to the format, which really helped us at that nascent stage. And I do believe nowadays. We carry the ball a little bit. If you understand my basketball parlance, we travel sometimes. We drag our pivot foot when we're doing moves because we're superstars now. We think the rules don't apply to us sometimes, and that's when we fly too close to the sun and get messed up. I was very almost like, I don't know, taken aback by how rigid in the structure we were, but how on time that reboot was, how we didn't have any long periods of stalling out. It was a time capsule. It was interesting to me. I, I mean, Ed, just to, to clarify, because I think you're right. And when I say like, I think what I meant was like, a lot of times we go into these, these episodes now with the weight of reboot it on our shoulders, which is we have to come up with something so mind blowingly complex to justify the hour that we're asking you to spend watching it. Whereas this one, I think, yeah, it was like, let's keep to the time, but also like, let's just kind of like free flow. What can we come up with in this hour? Which is, there was just less pressure on it, but you know, well, it was, was like, it was like it was like we were downloaded or uploaded into the zone by the way that we actually did the process of it. You know what I mean? Right. And, you yeah. Know, it, it, yeah. If I mean, if I can if I can break kayfabe a little bit, you know, we were originally structuring the show to fit into, I think it was a 75 minute time slot at L.A. Comic Con. And so we literally broke down what we were going to talk about into like seven minute chunks. And when we were running this episode, I, I literally had a stopwatch going on my phone so that we could get it exactly to time because the whole point was like, look, if we're going to do this in front of a live audience for entertainment value, we got to be on our stuff. And so when what Ed happened? said that... Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, Justice no, League you know, happened, <laughs> Billy. Justice League <laughs> happened. Matrix happened. These things happened to us, okay? I'm just saying, like, I, I almost feel like the good feeling that we had coming out of this... Like, I, Billy, I don't even know if you know, after we finished recording this episode, Ron and Ed and I stood out on the street for outside your apartment complex for like an hour just you know circle jerking how excited we were and like oh you're the best and oh this is gonna be great and then new york Co or not new york it was uh, la comic-con was just like like i said we icarus we flew way too close to the sun i think uh i think we did it all backwards i think we it gave us a false sense of godhood that we could pull this off the bottom line yeah. is we're so much trying to play to the crowd that it got us it got us caught up in certain sections of the show and like we said ad nauseum we were ribbing each other a little bit too much at the wrong times where we were trying to be focused but all i was trying to say with my comments was straight up the the time factor but also just the rigidness of we have to move on we have yeah. to and I yeah. think bringing a little bit of that back to the project could be very good or it could be very bad in certain cases. I don't know. But I think if we try it in the next season, I wouldn't be too displeased the, with that. 
here's a lesson that I think we could learn just piggybacking on that point or relearn because the one thing that we did in this episode and a lot of the first season episodes is we were really good about having the 30,000 foot view discussion at the top of the episode where we really honed in in this one, especially like what is great about Wolverine? It's the mystery. It's, you know, the fact that he's almost like a, a horror movie villain in some circumstances, the fact that you don't know his backstory, the fact that he can bounce through history because he's sort of this man with no name. Like we really honed in on, we got to make him a man with no name figure and that then guided our creative approach through the rest of the episode. And, you know, just again, breaking kayfabe, our format is always from the top. Like we have to identify what about this works and what is the theme that this story is going to address. And I think in this particular episode, we did that really, really well. And in some of the episodes that falter a little bit, we failed to do that. Which is interesting because when I, I, I think X-Men is always something that I've... I've had a hard time, especially when we when we decided like early on, like this will be part of the MCU, because for me, the X-Men, my, my I like X-Men in a vacuum, but it's always hard for me to understand, like, why are you afraid of a of a boy who can shoot metal balls out of his hand? But you're totally fine with like a Norse god like the 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 persecution angle didn't work for me as well when they're in the broader scope of the MCU. So like coming into this episode of like taking for my money, the most overexposed X-Man and having this be the movie, like, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to do that. You know, that Sisyphean task of not only rebooting the, the X-Men, but also bringing mutants into the MCU, something they've been talking about for years. And we did it in such a way that felt so organic and natural that it just like, even when I hear the pitch, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like an MCU movie. It sounds correct for that character, but also for the MCU at large. So like, I I'm still really impressed that because we had to serve two purposes there, a good X-Men Wolverine story and a good MCU movie. Like now those are two things combined. And I, again, like I said, I think this is one of our better efforts. I would also like to add just one thing to that. We also, besides those two things you said, we also had to follow Logan in a way that made sense without without we didn't have the ability to rely on the 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 pathos or the mythos whatever one is right of of wolverine having been a 20-year character building up to this moment of bill's word apotheosis we were following a movie where we saw wolverine's literal apotheosis and then we gotta so we gotta top that while doing the other things you said I think leaning into the John Wick of it all, I mean, that that was mostly the only contribution I think I remember in the episode, honestly, uh, was like, it's got to be this guy's a boogeyman. It has to be, because that's the one thing we haven't really explored. We always get to be with the boogeyman. And if you're with the boogeyman and nobody talks about him as though he's the boogeyman, you don't feel the fear. And Wolverine is scary, if nothing else. He should be, at least. Well, yeah. um, I go ahead. No, sorry. I just wanted, before we lose the point, I just wanted to jump back to what Billy was talking about with introducing mutants, because to me, that was something that I think, Ron, you might have glossed over a little bit in the recap, but that was like my favorite part of this episode. And there was a lot of good stuff in this episode, but just that idea of turning mute, like every time any comic or TV show or movie has tackled mutants, it's always been like, they're all living among us and it's this underground society that nobody knows about, but you know, they're all out there to be found. 
And one of the things that we did here that I thought was really exciting was this idea that like Trask, who's hunting the mutants, is sort of on the bleeding edge. And he's done the math where it's like, look, there's maybe 100, 200 mutants in the world right now, but they're growing exponentially. And within a generation, they're going to be big enough to destroy the world. And so I'm trying to take the step to stop that from happening. It just brings such an immediacy to the conflict that the X-Men end up being involved in because it's not yeah. like, oh, there's a million mutants out there that can all inhabit an island nation and govern ourselves like there is in the comics. It's more like, no, this is an incredibly rare phenomenon, which makes them that much more persecutable and also that much more, to Billy's point, like it's, it's that much more scary that they might be there because it's such an X factor. You don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know if they're going to get more powerful by the day. Just that idea that we're on the front edge of mutants emerging is kind of a cool thing. Okay, we so also... You said X Factor. <laughs> and and the last thing that, sorry, Ron, the last thing I was going to say about that whole point was you hit it on the head in the episode. I just, you know, in the episode, you mentioned it as almost like an arms race between, yeah. uh, tr almost like an arms race slash space race, if you dig what I'm talking about, between Bolivar Trask and Charles Xavier, which leads uh, a, a credence and an immediacy to homeboy trying to build Cerebro so he can find the mutants because we need to get together and circle the wagons uh, because a lot of bad stuff is coming down from Trask and government agencies and whatnot. Yeah, I believe we even used a Battlestar Galactica reference as in saying like there's only 800 mutants and when 100 of them are killed, that's extinction. Like, you know, and so there's a real, you know, uh, chance for a real loss you know and and that's that adds some gravitas to what the x-men are going through uh in those situations and and i'd argue that yeah a norse god by the way um, what you were saying about uh thor bill uh billy uh like the, that's, the that's norse how it starts ron that's why i get comments for sexy jesus <laughs> God damn it. Shut up. Shut greatest, up, Brian. <laughs> oh man, that's great. So um, but also that just that Thor isn't your brother. Thor isn't your cousin. Like, you know what I mean? So like you like, I, I I know I I painted yeah. in broad strokes. I think it's just the overall idea that it's you know, like if you're afraid that there's the super human superpowered being that lives among us it's like well you've got spider-man who you don't know who he is and he's walking around here somewhere that's that you're true. fine if he saves your cat out of a tree you know i think it's it just like i think that's even though i'm not a huge fan of those you know the original fox x-men movies i think the one thing that worked to their benefit was that they existed in a vacuum in this world where all you had was mutants. You didn't have anything else because I think I'd be just as terrified of a big guy made up of rocks and a guy that can turn himself on fire. And yet the fantastic four beloved by everybody. So I, I get I, it. The I, fact I, that I you think can that spontaneously turn into a human torch yourself, or you don't know what power you're going to get. That's scary, but that's something that a lot of the, Look, I'm not a huge X-Men comics reader, but the movie certainly they talked about like, oh, it'd be it's scare. It's they they treated it, you know, it's like, oh, like, do you have to be a mutant? Like they went that kind of angle with it, as opposed to the body horror of you could have this thing in you 
And maybe your power is awesome. Maybe it's not really noticeable on the service, but boy, it could be something really bad that you can't escape from and you have no idea when it's going to hit you. They never really did that. And I kind of like that part of it more. I think also they could add in something along the lines of sort of what uh, white supremacists have been doing where they're saying uh, they're trying to, you know, replace us. They're trying to co-mingle and eventually they're going to take us over and there's not going to be humans anymore. Like that's the kind of thing that I think people would do to create fear about mutants. Oh, sure. Spider-Man's cool. He, we don't think he's a mutant. We know that he got bit by a spider. I don't know if they knew about it, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But like there'd be people who came out to create fear about, uh, about mutants, I think is the big thing in those situations. Well, I think I think maybe our poster artist did an interesting thing by bringing Thunderbolt Ross into this movie because Ross with the Sokovia Accords in the MCU is sort of on the front edge of saying, you know what, this is fine as long as we can control it as with the Avengers and superpowered beings. And I think the really scary thing about mutants, in addition to all the stuff you guys just brought up, is the proliferation. The math is what's scary, right? It's like there's not a handful of these that we can use the entirety of this international government agency to sort of keep tabs on. This is a phenomenon that just keeps spreading. And like, how can we possibly control it? Hence the extinction agenda. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to officially petition to call the lady Olivia Trask. I think we were making Bolivar and different words and stuff. Just being being funny because, you know, Bolivar <laughs> Trask as a female. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bulva, I, just, I don't know why that just made me think of that Seinfeld episode of Mulva. <laughs> guys, 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 DJ Qualls, DJ Qualls, <laughs> DJ Qualls? <laughs> it's still but, funny. I don't care. Oh, but yeah. the, well, but the, the uh, I just wanted to say the bottom line about the pitch also is we did it, it kind of showed me how delightfully sketchy. A good pitch is i think a lot of people especially sometimes when you see the comments i love comments from everybody we're going to get some later but some of the ones that are like a 58 page novel and then they'll be saying stuff like you guys uh should have did this and it's like what you did would be longer than our justice league episode what what you're proposing for us to really get that out and crack it and it's like so complex these are pitches not screenplays you know what I mean? It's it's a little bit different than trying to make a. It's, you're trying to make a complete story that you could tell somebody, but it doesn't have to have every single part. All you know, sometimes when people hear our pitches, they'll sound so expansive that they'll be like, "Well, you forgot this type of character. You forgot that type of character. You forgot this subplot." It's like we pitched it to you. We didn't sit down and write it for you right. over the course of six months, you dork. You know what I mean? So it's like, by the I, way, I, Ed, that's why I think this episode is great. Is go watch Justice League. Because it took us almost two hours to get something great. And this took us less than 40 minutes to get something I think is equally as good as our Justice League. Like, that's where I say the complexities of the way that we think now and put together an episode are just so much more complex than how we used to do it. But uh, who knows? Maybe Justice League was just harder because it was more people. Uh, I I just want to point that out. That I think yeah. one of the things that <laughs> makes this movie lean and mean is the fact that it is lean and mean as far as cast and storylines. Like, sure, but also like, you know, we are dealing with you know like other MCU characters. It had its own set of challenges as well. 
I sure. don't think that we that we went around the block as much on something like this as we did at Justice League, but we didn't build up 25 episodes to the Wolverine either. Oh, wait, uh, remind me because I didn't have a chance before we get to the comments. Remind me because I didn't have a chance to re-listen to this. Who did who did the super condescending voice for the uh, the audience question? Because didn't we have to like fake it? <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, we did. I think we all. That was one thing. If people go back and listen to the episode, we were all doing some stunning indictments. It's almost like how Quentin Tarantino says that Clark Kent is such a foppish little punk because that's how he sees humanity. When we did the fan voices, they were very. They were. They weren't nice. No, <laughs> they weren't nice I characters. Like, <laughs> um, I, uh, I want to fight a polar bear. <laughs> they're, they're, and some of them like, hey, why is the guy doing that? Or, or, or the, I oh. think, you know, we were doing a lot of that sort of stuff. Well, before we move on to the fan comments, I want to say, uh, did you go back and listen to this, uh, Producer Bill? You know what? I did not. I did not get a chance. I, I kind of want you to just because I want you to hear what your Peter's voice sounded like the first time. <sighs> yes. oh. listen, I, no, no. I will say this because this has been conscious. The Peter's voice started out a little bit more Harvey Firestein. Like yeah. A little bit. Mm -hmm. He kind of had a little bit of like a lilting voice to, you know, it was like there was like a little bit of like a lisp, mm -hmm. a little bit of like a yeah. gay overtone to it. And yeah, now now he's just gruff. Now he's hey, boys. What's up? How are you? You know, <laughs> <laughs> the evolution yeah, was, of Peter's. Yeah, I need to go back. Well, and the funny thing back. is it started off a little softer with almost yeah. no accent. And then by the end of the Peter's comment and the Peter's oh. suggestion, you would basically almost hit what it eventually became. I was it finding was, it, was, it in the moment. Yeah, you really you were. Know you know, what's actually funny. We just recently posted on our YouTube. Um, I don't know what they call it, but you can post essentially like Instagram posts on YouTube and they show up if you're subscribed. So if the you're not subscribed, tab, I think, yeah. yeah, the community tip subscribe. If you're not subscribed, but we just posted an excerpt from a Peter's interview. So you could hear his real voice and his real voice is kind of weirdly soft spoken, but then he says like super aggro things mm -hmm. in this voice. It's just, he's kind of like, you know, he's, he's from New York, but it's like, I uh, slurs a little bit. And like, you know, I was, I used to be a boxer. I, I, I won 56 fights, never lost a fight, but like, that's more what he sounds like. <laughs> That's what funny. he sounds like in an interview. Then he right. goes like Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder when the door closes. That's oh, dude. It it's, uh, it's like that old Phil Hartman, Ronald Reagan sketch from SNL. Like, hello, little girl. Do you want a picture? God damn it. Give me the Russians on the phone. You know, it's, it's that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I loved you finding it. I love I love when I listen to it. That's one of the, the major highlights of it is you finding the thing, Bill. <laughs> yeah, like absolutely. It was pretty great. Uh, so let's get to some comments. What do you say? Uh, the first one, this one is super insightful, very helpful. Uh, we appreciate comments like this. From the Batman who points, ego driven <laughs> prick. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Can I say? That that just happened. I love it. This that was like a week ago. Found my burner account. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> this dude went and left that comment on, I believe, every single one of our videos. And I think oh. the YouTube filter caught the caught it as spam and deleted most of them because uh. I was I got all the notifications 
He left that comment on every one of our videos. I'm pretty sure Ed got into some sort of a comment tiff with this guy that led <laughs> to him dropping that comment on every video. Oh, yeah, that's I hilarious. I yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was think gonna I... be like, did someone have sex with his mom? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, it was great. Uh, but we have some actually pretty good ones. Uh, this one's pretty funny. Uh, and uh, I, I, when I re-listened to it, it really did make me laugh. Um, hold on, let me find it. There it is. Uh, Wolverine rocking out to Creed is forever headcanon now. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't remember what, uh, what the joke was on that, but uh, uh, we, we were saying it. that well, Ron went on this riff about like if we were to set parts of it in the 90s, what would what would be playing in the radio? Ah. And then we, we did some uh, 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 rip you with arms wide open type. Can type you take <laughs> me higher? Yep, yep. That's exactly what we did. It was a pretty great. Uh, and then we also have a, 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 this one's a little more insightful. And it's also something I think we all uh, pretty much agree with from all around nerd. I like the idea of not doing an origin story film ever again. Studios have managed to make good films that allude to the hero's beginnings without spending two hours showing it. Uh, R.E. Peter Dinklage, nobody I've said this to agrees, but I think he's got the chops to play the penguin in a Batman film, and it would be a very different take on the character. Okay. Um, um, well, I, I, oh, I, I don't you know if you've heard that or not, but I, I made a joke about Peter Dinklage playing Wolverine because we wanted a short, gruff looking Wolverine. Um, I, I don't agree with that assessment i i think there there are some characters that we definitely can put a moratorium on their on their like i don't need to see batman's origin again i don't like i think it was smart we don't need to see spider-man's but there are some heroes like i absolutely need to like captain marvel i didn't know squat about so like you got to tell me something i also think like our zorro episode you know i said i think i said this in the last rewind where i was just like talking about the big swings but i was like sometimes there are origin stories that just have not been properly told yet on film. So I think that works with Wolverine. It's kind of hit and miss because I think that like even X-Men origins, Wolverine as as you know, the movie's just not very good, but even that kind of, you know, I think still didn't, it didn't feel like an origin. It still felt like we were joining a little bit halfway through the Wolverine story. It didn't, it didn't feel like the origin that it promised. So I would be okay, you know, I would be okay doing like a, a full soup to nuts Wolverine origin because even in all the Fox movies, I feel like they would they would start to tell it and they would leave it as a breadcrumb and then it never led to, to anything really. So I, I can't fully support like no origin stories ever. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I, I just, I'll echo that completely. I, I never quite get what the fan preoccupation is with like moratoriums on origin stories because some heroes origin stories are literally their best stories you know and it's like some heroes you need the origin story because it establishes everything about them the marvel formula is probably uh the best argument against origin stories because so many of those characters are just like an accident happens and then i get some powers and then all the interesting stuff happens so I get that, but I mean, like, why would you just make a blanket statement? It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's, it's hubristic. I don't know. Well, well and, and also, also, like, the Punisher. The Punisher uh, 
origin <laughs> story is kind of necessary because the guy murders people and you kind of need to know why he murders people. Like, or you just can never make a Punisher thing ever again and the world would be better for it. So you could do no that. No argument there. No argument there. <laughs> um, we, we got something. Oh, we got something. Wait, from wait, I wait. Mean, oh, go, go ahead. I, I, what were you going to say? Because I feel like, I feel like that we're on the same great wavelength. Oh, no. I mean, I, I just wanted to say, I, I think only a Sith speaks in absolutes. <laughs> huh? uh, yeah. There it was. I knew I felt something. <laughs> so that's just like, wait, wait, go back to Ed. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Um, and that's why I talk in absolutes. Okay. Evil so, Don Spitz down there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got IBZ Tube. He said, great episode, guys. Have you guys listened to the Wolverine podcast, Wolverine the Long Night? Because the story y'all described, following a girl investigating the mythic Wolverine, that's it. As I listened, I wanted that to be his next movie. Funnily enough, I only listened because I swear you had a guest on Nerd Goat who worked on it. Um, I don't think we had a guest on Nerd Goat well, that worked on I it. I mean, Travis, Travis might have like di voice directed on it. Something oh. Like that. You know, That's but true. Travis was Travis was like way deep in there to go. I think we'd already done this by the time we even had Travis on the podcast. But I will say this. That's one of the things I do love about when people go, you know, your pitch is just the thing that they did and such and such, such. I kind of like it when that happens, because when you really look at our story and, and their story, they are different stories. I'm not trying to say who's a better story when you really most of the time look at it's mostly the fact that we're keying on some of the key unexplored parts or the key components to each of these franchises causes some of these overlaps and for me frankly i'm delighted sometimes because there is sometimes a way to take something in the year 2021 sometimes there is yeah. a way that has been unexplored well i actually too, did I listen it, to this oh no i was just gonna say we we did what marvel does anyway which was take one of their stories and take the 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 bare bones, uh, the DNA of it, and then put put the MCU spin on it. So I I've I knew of the drama. I never listened to it. Didn't know what it was about. But I feel like yeah, the, that's exactly what the MCU would do anyways, which is just take a, a well known story and put it in the MCU and put their own spin on it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, whenever there's um, a very long comment that I. Uh, want producer bill to make fun of uh i put it in here so here's what metal overload had to say let's see if i can read oh. it all whoa mm. yeah yeah he had a lot to say uh your reboot is way more complicated than it needs to be forget all the <laughs> and, mcu and then stuff this, and then this <laughs> yeah. thing I know, and then I know. this thing after that <laughs> that's, that's what i was talking about you see what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah i'm gonna take it down and then i'll just read it to you guys <laughs> Because you get an idea of how long it is. He's like, your reboot is way more complicated than it needs to be. Forget all the MCU stuff for the first go-round. You need to focus on what makes the Wolverine different than previous iterations. I want to see blood on his claws. I want him to cuss and smoke. Um, <laughs> does it really say that? Yes, Absolutely. It yeah. Put it back Absolutely. on. I need to see for myself. I need to oh, see hold on. I yeah. need to see hold on. Cuss and smoke? That's, cuss and that's, smoke. That, there's more to it. Just um, <laughs> I want to see him cuss and smoke. Everyone should be nervous when Logue is on screen in order to get away from the Jackman version. Also, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Let me jump in. First of all, let me just point out that everything this guy has said to that point 
about what's important not only can be, but almost assuredly is in our movie. The whole point that we've been talking about is you're picking up Wolverine as this violent, unknown figure that's leaving a trail of blood and gore in his wake. He's taciturn. He's dangerous. Everybody's nervous around him. They literally capture him and are scared to have it. Like, that's in the pitch, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and, and I would like to say, I, I'm not going to read the whole thing uh, because it also is super complicated. I mean, okay, so... Uh, you got to show how intelligent Sabretooth is. Uh, there should be a partial period piece. Have Wolverine in Madripoor in the past circa 70s, 80s. He's on assignment to capture and kill the Wendigo by Alpha Flight. That's where he gets Jesus his costume Christ. for plausible tonight. <laughs> All right. Lean in. Lean in. Because I'm, I'm about to say something very important to you. Just because you read it in a comic book does not mean you need to see it on a movie screen. Don't be a simp, okay? You don't... The, fa the very fact that this dude is saying this is what needs to happen and all it is is a laundry list of the shit that he wished Brian Singer had done is just sad. It's absolutely sad. You don't care about story. We're trying to also talk about like, how would you actually make this if you were trying to make a movie that made money and fit into their giant scheme of things? This dude is literally reading his checklist of shit that he's pissed at Brian Singer about. Come on, man. We're better than that here. You're better than that. Don't bring <laughs> that weak sauce in to reboot it. <laughs> Uh, before, uh, I also want to read the last sentence, but I also, you know, I think there is uh, something that a, a person has to say about everything we just said, and it's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I got to read you the last couple sentences in uh, Metal Overlord's uh, um, sentence here. He said, um, uh, let's see, hold on. This was my favorite part. It is ridiculous. So, then cast Tyler Maine back in the role of Sabretooth with a new look, though. Give him a biker look with black pants and a black and brown leather vest. <laughs> also, make his eyes solid white and have Wolverines become solid white when he enters Berserker Rage. So, this is, this is another thing. This is, that's the same trap, by the way, that I feel like do. The, the Fox X-Men franchise, which was X-Men First Class was your chance to reboot it, start fresh, and they just could not help themselves but put Rebecca Romaine and Hugh Jackman in there. They couldn't get away from those casting, and now fans are just like, I want something new, but also cast Tyler Maine, not an actor, not a good actor if he is. He was like a professional wrestler. Like, why does, why does this have to connect to the series of movies that we've all kind of universally agreed, like, even if we don't like them or we do like them, like, we want to move on from that. Like, why? It's the Richard Donner Superman thing. Like, I don't want everything going back to the that those Brian Singer X-Men movies. Like, enough. Stop. Stop. We also, need to move away from it. Also, this dude is 100% showing his hand here where he thinks the important shit to mention is the pants and vest that Sabretooth <laughs> should be wearing and the fact that their eyes should turn white. Because again, 
That's what I read in the comics. And it's like, come on, man. Come on. Like, <laughs> well, and also just, just to not be, geez, the ways he's already dead. Um, I, I'm just saying. Poke it. <laughs> I, <laughs> you got to make all, sure it's really dead. Double tap. <laughs> double tap. No, but all, all I would say is I found the pitch amusing because it was so complicated after telling us not to complicate yeah. it, which is why I recommended that we talk about it. Uh, but another thing is, when you really start to see how how much these people see these people, meaning us as fans, how much we can see the stories in our head and we we pick and choose things that are different things that are important, that's that's the whole point about um subjectivity, right? Some origin stories deserve to be told, deserve. What's that got to do with it? What it should, you're shooting all over yourself. It's all subjective. You know what I'm saying? You you decide what's important. Who has an important uh, origin story? Who has an important black vest look and white eyes combo? Who, which is you know what I mean? We're all we're all just juggling these balls of subjectivity. And I just look, wish Sabretooth more people should would be completely that. naked with his 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 wang out. Uh, Sabretooth a big should be a big giant mane. All right, this, I, you know, I've been really well behaved this episode. Sabretooth needs to be shot into the sun because it's <laughs> utterly ridiculous that Sabretooth would even the dude is you but has adamantium claws. That equals lose. You lose. I don't care who you are, I don't care what reach advantage. The fact that Wolverine doesn't just chop this dude's arms off every time they fight, it's an abomination. That's why we picked the damn abomination. We picked somebody who couldn't <laughs> very easily be. You know, I was thinking too. I don't. I can't remember the episode, but it would have been cool. Probably. Uh, too complex uh, <laughs> to uh, somehow put Craven in there. I was just thinking during the pitch, I was like, "Man, you mentioned it." Uh, did I back then? You, mm-hmm. you did mention and it back I'm then. A yeah, broken fucking record, aren't I? I just <laughs> a broken <laughs> kiss record. <laughs> yeah, broken kiss record. <laughs> no, but Craven would have been an interesting add in there too. It would have been cool absolutely. as like a shield if he was one of the shield agents. You know, like that would have been such a departure. People would have been pissed. But if it, if Craven the Hunter had started as a shield agent and he was hunting, you know the wolverine the legend of the wolverine i mean it's pretty inspired actually man, I love because it, it, I, it I mean, does show the universe is a universe it's like when we put mongol in our green lantern movie right i love that villain swapping stuff especially when you're building a shared universe anyway do it all day yeah and then we put uh um dark side and wonder woman so i mean it all it all works out uh so we got another one from okay edits he said, if the fight with Blonsky is the, at the end of the film, a mid credit scene could be Wolverine walking out of the Gamma base, but he hears Hulk roar, turns around, and sees a green fist coming towards him. Uh, I mean, the uh, cool imagery. I don't know if I yeah. do it make credits. I, I think you, you We had it in the middle of the movie. movie. Or you yeah. put it in a movie, you know? We had it as a flashback where, like, one of the persons is telling a story about how he almost saw the Hulk killed by some, you know, crazy guy yeah uh, that was one of the things we added like in a, yeah but i also think it was like a proto idea for when we finally got to the maturation of the idea which was blonsky yeah. because blonsky is an agent blonsky has a reason to run into the hulk blonsky has a reason to have had running with running with wolverine uh excuse me yeah blonsky has a reason to have run in with wolverine in the past as an agent them both being secret agent spy versus spy stuff and then to run into, run into him again when they when they've both been augmented in this way and to give uh wolverine a real you got your ass beat and went home to lick your wood wounds type of villain and then have a whole nother one 
to fight after that. That's great stuff. <laughs> that was the best Freudian slip I've ever heard. Go home and lick your wood. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we are getting this one to completion too, huh, guys? <laughs> I don't have my trap jaw action figure here. <laughs> Well, then I guess we might as well end on this very positive and also excellent comment. Colby Martin saying, you guys already had me, but when John Peters walked in, I died laughing. <laughs> I, I don't remember. How did the John Peters come about? I knew we wanted to throw a monkey wrench in there. We, we always joked about the John Peters spider, but how, how did we come up with like literally putting John Peters in the room? So I honestly, I, I think that I don't was, remember. That, I think that was me, just because like I'm always obsessed with sort of the meta narrative. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we all here? Like, what's our backstory as a group? And I think we came up with the idea that we're all development executives working for some producer. And then when we started coming up with the idea of like, oh, it'd be really funny to throw a monkey wrench in that could sort of derail the conversation. We're like, oh well, who's the producer we're working for? It's got to be John Peters just because he's so famous for all of those weird suggestions he made to Kevin Smith during Superman Lives. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I just got to say that the Peters in this one actually drove the action quite a bit. And in fact, some of the suggestions we had were pretty great. Like, you know, uh, Peters suggestion was that uh, Wolverine had to fight a whole pack of wolves because like Liam Neeson at the end of the gray. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, only this time I really want to see him do the fight. And and it and it was funny, but it 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 moved us to go, okay, well how do we work that in? And and we started adding the idea of of people telling a story about Wolverine to even add in more mystery into this, you know, this this character so that Maria Hill starts to doubt that maybe he isn't as, you know, insane or crazy as uh, a beast as uh, she thinks he is. And I think that was an important part of it. So I think we did some really interesting things with the idea of the unreliable narrator in this one. Like, I, I, I love the story trope of having sort of a naive outsider enter your story world and try to figure it out, which is essentially the Maria Hill role in this movie. And I think then layering other unreliable narrators on top of that, where it's like she's getting this almost Rashomon style piece by piece view of who this guy is. It, it was a great way to, to, to stay true to the thing about Wolverine from the comics that actually matters. Unlike that other dude's suggestions, which is his sort of man with no name, lack of a backstory, always mysterious sort of persona. I, I think we serviced that to completion. <laughs> oh, and, also, and, and if I can participate in that completion, um, uh, geez, please. Oh, you can. Uh, that was hey, it's a foursome. So check it out. That's so brilliant, Bill. And the other thing we did, I think it was all holistic, because in okay, we've we've expanded out to the deepest realms of outer space in the Marvel universe. They got space patrol dudes up there with sword. They have all this extracurricular stuff out there. It's almost like the only place we can go back is in. We had to go back to Earth's secret history to be interesting because we'd, we'd gone so far afield in all these different ways. And lastly, we gave Maria Hill in these movies something to actually do because it isn't that she's a babe in the woods. She knows everything about everything about everything and has found a thing that is unexplainable. 
on this earth at this time, which is why this story happens now. That's the brilliant part about our reboot to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good place to end it. Um, I just want to say uh, to everybody on behalf of the guys, we got uh, Ed, Greer, Ed Greer, producer Bill, Billy Business. We want to thank you guys for watching. Seriously, liking, interacting with us, leaving these comments. We love to read these comments. We love the positive ones. We like the negative ones because we want to talk about them. Uh, we also thank you for telling people about us. It really helps us grow this channel so that we can give you even more fun stuff and keep doing this. So for Ron Swallow, that's me, Billy Business, Producer Bill, and Ed Greer. Bye, guys. Hey guys, this is Ron. If you want to check out what we are currently doing, all you have to do is go to the Rebooted channel on YouTube, and you can see our sweet faces talking about this stuff. We've got a new Public store for you to get all of the cool shirts that you could possibly want. The Mumbo Gumbo, the Pop Art Reboot Crew, the classic logo, and then of course, the Rebooted Drinking Game, which has Jensen Ackles and DJ Qualls among other fan-favorite comments. So do yourself a favor. Go to tpublic.com slash user slash reboot dash it and pick up your favorite T-shirt. So thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting Reboot It.